Welcome to Checking Out the Competition, Montreal Canadians or Les Habitants, if you are so inclined. I am joined today by Scott Matla, who is a senior writer over at Habs, colon, Eyes on the Prize. Oh, is there a colon? No, it's all one phrase. I almost said all one word, so. I'm a big fan of uh, mid-sentence punctuation. So I just felt like I felt like it should have a colon. <laughs> um, thank you so much, Scott, for joining me on this little podcast. It's always fun to be here and have a little bit of fun like this, especially before a game. So thank you for having me. You are welcome. Let's just get right into things. So um, the Habs and the Flyers are kind of in a similar situation in that both of our teams are on the outside looking in. Both of them kind of sealed their own fate by losing some key games here down the stretch. Um, here in Flyers land, we've kind of resigned ourselves to the fact that at this point, it's just not going to happen. Um, are you guys in the same place? Or are you still thinking they might sneak in? Um, optimism reigns for half of the fan base. The other half of the fan base is screaming to just tank it out and mm -hmm. see where that goes next. They have every chance. Columbus has had their struggles down the stretch right now, so it's like there's it's not outside the realm of possibility. It's nope. a three-point difference, same amount of games played, but they need help, basically. I'd like to see it, but at the same time, I've kind of in my head gone, hey, so who's going to be 10 to 15 in the draft lottery this year? <laughs> so We've been doing that, too. It's They can do it. I don't know if they will. I know Carey Price can do it. It's the rest of the team that worries me a little bit. Yeah, it gets kind of tough when it's not only just like your team that needs to do this stuff. There also needs to be a whole lot of other stuff that other teams have to do in order for it to happen. It gets gets a little hard. when that Yeah, happens. it's like I've had to cheer for the Bruins and the Sabres for God's sakes. Woo! You know how many showers I've had to take after that? I mean, the Sabres, the Sabres are eh, whatever, but the Bruins... Oh, I live in Western New York. I have it's oh. so it's a ingra it's an ingrained hatred for them. The Bruins, yeah. however, I showered it with heat and steam coming out of it and burned myself. So <laughs> I, I need to be clean after that. That was huh. And it didn't give me anything. They still lost. So like, what's you the point? Dirty for nothing. That's the worst. Yeah. So speaking of Carey Price, um. I wanted to talk about him a bit since obviously he's been news, you know, across the hockey world, not just as far as the Habs go after he broke the, um, goaltending wins record, right. For the, for the Habs all time. Yeah, he passed Jacques Plante last week against Detroit, which is pretty remarkable because, um, you know, the Habs have been around for literally ever <laughs> and Jacques Plante is a pretty good goaltender. So it's, it's a pretty big deal for, someone in the modern era to pass a legend like that. That's always a big deal. And that's the thing is it's not just that record. He holds like every other goaltending record except for shutouts in Montreal. And the guy who was leading with shutouts has 75 of them oh. in an era where you faced like 12 shots a night or something like that. So <laughs> so like the Brodeur method of obtaining shutouts. <laughs> without all the adultery, but yes. Yeah. <laughs> so I wanted to talk about Carey Price a little bit because this is something that we've talked about um, at Broad Street Hockey. We have an, kind of an all NHL podcast called iSport Radio. And a few times we've talked about Carey Price and the fact that 
he was signed to that very long, very lucrative contract that pretty much just kicked in. And almost exactly when he signed it, things kind of went downhill for him. So I was just curious, like as a Habs fan, um, obviously I'm sure it's hard to be disappointed in Carey Price, but is he living up to the expectations that you had when he signed that big contract? The first month and a half of the season, absolutely not. He was not Carey Price. Weird goals were going in. He didn't look like himself. And then he was out for a few games, and Antti Niemi was the starting goalie, and that was a roller coaster of emotions. Um, and then he came back, and he was Carey Price again. And he's been Carey Price since then. Um, since November, middle of November, he's been top three in the NHL in a whole bunch of different categories. And you just watch him play, and he is as advertised, the $84 million man. He is locked down in the zone. His movements are fluid, and there's no wasted energy, and it's everything is just working well. And if he can channel that through the majority of this contract and continue to play like this behind a defense that, quite frankly, is suspect at the best of times right now, I don't think anyone's going to be upset about this deal, especially with the cap going up and there's going to be more superstars and yada, yada, yada. Carey Price is worth that contract right now if he plays like this and based off of everything he did since he was drafted in 2005. So one of the things that I noticed when I was kind of looking over the last few weeks for the Habs, I'm trying to get a handle on what's been going on with you guys. Um, <laughs> I saw that uh, Claude Julian decided to sit your superstar rookie, um, whose name I always say wrong, Kotka Niemi? Kotka Niemi, yes. I got it a little bit. <laughs> yeah. So so he, he decided to sit him for a couple of games, not because he was playing bad, not because he was hurt, didn't do anything wrong. He was very, the quotes that I read, he was very explicit about that. This wasn't a punishment of any kind. He just wanted to give him a bit of a rest because – he has played a lot of games this season. And I was curious to know um, what you thought about that, considering that obviously this is a team that needs to win as many games as possible if they're going to try to get into the playoffs. I was very okay with it because I'm like, okay, it's the Kings. The yeah. Kings are a dumpster fire, yeah. whatever, against the Sharks. He'll, we'll need him against those matchups. And then he didn't play, and they almost won. And I was like, okay, well, I get it. You want to rest him. He's not even he's just 19 years old i think he's a kid he's never played this many professional games the nhl is a very exhausting league and then we got smoked by the ducks and yet when he gets into games he's still playing well the break didn't seem to hurt him a little bit what has been an issue is that against chicago on saturday night he played less than 10 minutes in that game hmm. which is bad even worse when you consider that Jordan Wheel, the fourth line winger, was double shifted and played almost 20 minutes in that wow. game. So I don't know if Julian just hit the panic button and was like, I need safety, I need this. That's kind of where the issue comes in. It's like, if you're going to lose, go out swinging with your rookie and your skill guys and give them a chance. You can't think you're giving yourself the best shot to win with your star rookie playing less than 10 minutes a game, especially when he's probably your best overall center right now. God, NHL coaches are so weird. They really, it's like when they panic, they like 
get afraid of anything that's even a little bit unknown. So like, you know what you're getting with Jordan Wheel for 20 minutes. Like you yeah. know exactly what it is. It's mediocrity, but you know it. <laughs> but yeah. But with a rookie, you're you don't know what might happen. Maybe he'll blow at this game. Maybe he won't. Maybe he'll be super good. And they just like can't handle the idea of not knowing exactly what they're gonna get out of a guy on any given night when they're panicking. And it's like the weirdest thing. It makes no sense to me at all. And it blows my mind because Scott Kaniemi is legitimately an incredible defensive center at 19 yeah. years old. Yeah. And I'm just it's like Claude, stop it, man. You're <laughs> overthinking this. Yeah. Just exactly. don't overthink this. You yeah. play him. If he makes a mistake, shit happens. You weren't <laughs> expected to contend for anything this year. He could go out there and go through the entire team and score a goal, or he might, you know, turn the puck over. I would rather he turn the puck over and something bad happen than Nate Thompson go out there and be mediocre for 15 minutes a night. Exactly. I don't know why it's so hard for them to grasp that. It's like, it's wild that every NHL coach is like this. Good one. Every NHL coach. And it's not like, oh, no, he's just being, no, every NHL coach is this way. Every one of them. It's remarkable. But since you brought up Jordan Wheel, I'm going to skip around a little bit on these questions. Um, We last played, these these two teams last played about a month ago. Um, the Habs kicked the Flyers' ass 5-1. It's a definitive win. And it was right before the trade deadline. And both of our teams kind of didn't really do anything. You guys ended up with our old pal Jordan Wheel. Um, we had to trade Wayne Simmons for contract reasons and ended up with Ryan Hartman. Um, so essentially, nothing really happened for either of our teams. Um, what would you say has changed over the last month? for the Habs, if anything. They've gotten away from, for whatever reason, their high-speed offense. They win by playing with speed and through the neutral zone, getting the puck, and they are going. Guys like Max Domi and Jonathan Drouin or Brendan Gallagher coming in through the wings with speed and making defenses react quicker, that seems to be gone for whatever reason. It's a lot more slowing and a lot more dump and chase, and just things aren't, connecting the way they should Mm. and I don't know how to quite explain it that it's just they don't look like the team that was here the first half of the season it's a slower plotting game that nothing can get started the power play comes on the ice and I groan get up leave the room for two minutes and come back and nothing has happened nothing at all and it's incredible the sheer incompetence of the man advantage at this point in time that's always fun. We went through that at the the beginning of this season, and it's uh, not great. You know, when you're – like, for a while there, the Flyers were, I think, being outscored on the power play. Oh, yikes. Pretty Ugh. remarkable. Yeah. <laughs> you got to work real hard to be that. <laughs> so I totally feel that. But um, to get into this game a little bit, um, like we said earlier, both of our teams are technically still in it. And for better or for worse, these are professional hockey players. They're still trying to make the playoffs. Yeah. So that makes me wonder if we're going to end up with kind of like a really measured, tight game where guys don't want to take a lot of chances because they don't want to make a mistake and give up a goal. Um, Or alternatively, are we going to end up with a game that's like super like run and gun offense, everyone going wild, balls to the wall trying to win this game? Where do you see it going? Honestly, 
is somewhere in the middle because yeah. the Flyers, since the trade deadline, have been one of two things: either a team that can't play defense and fully get it together, or the team that is out there just to spite the Pittsburgh Penguins and no one else. <laughs> Pretty much, <laughs> and that's like that's what I've noticed. I'm like, oh, the Flyers are playing well; they're not playing the Penguins, so this is going to go this direction. But with like that game against Toronto where they scored five goals and still didn't mm. win, it's like yeah. Montreal has the offense that can click into place and put up five goals. Philadelphia can do the same thing. I think a lot of it is whatever team kind of drives the play early on is going to be the one who takes over this game. I'm not expecting it to be terribly high scoring. Montreal has played well in their own end. And they're piling up shots. I think they had 48 against Chicago or 40 or something like that. Something ridiculous. But it's going to be a game. It's not going to be the highlight of the week, 8-6 goal fest. And it's not going to be a one nothing game where I get woken up halfway through the second period for a goal because I fell asleep. <laughs> I think we're going to be somewhere in the middle. Both okay. teams are going to play it safe but they're going to go for their chances and realize it's, you know, you're on your do or die chance here. You might as well take the risk. So standard hockey game. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> wrong with that. Um, what would you say if there was going to be one thing that you had to identify about this, the Habs in this game, um, like a line, a player, something about the way they're playing, that you think is going to be the thing that's really going to make this game tough on the Flyers, what would that be? There are two players on the Canadians that have been very vocal recently about the way the team has been playing, and that's Brendan Gallagher and Andrew Shaw. They've both said that, you know, we need everyone needs to pull the weight. We're not playing the way we should. We're lazy. People are riding as passengers. And they're both the kind of guys that are going to go out there and try to make a statement on the ice and get into – the dirty, nasty areas to get goals and make that happen. And then at the other end of the ice, you have Carey Price. Carey Price is Carey Price, and he's going to do Carey Price things because he's Carey Price. <laughs> That's he's. I'm not worried about the back end in net. It's the offense that needs to get clicked into place, and Brendan Gallagher has been the heart and motor of that offense for three years now. He's going to keep. He's going to be that guy, I think, that's going to drive in this game. He's going to have another big game, I think. Mm-hmm. Okay. And if you were coaching the Flyers, how would you have them contain this? I would stick Sean Couturier on Brendan Gallagher like flies on shit. Okay. Basically, you put your best defensive guy and you make you take the heart and soul out of that offense and you make the lower lines work for it. Jonathan Drouin has struggled. Um, the bottom six as a whole has struggled. Make them beat you. Because if you can take the top six out in Montreal right now, the Domi and uh, Kotkaniemi and Gallagher and Sean Tatar, if you can take their lines out of the game, you're going to force that bottom six that hasn't been a big factor recently to step up. And if they can't do it, then Philadelphia can take advantage of that. Okay. I will have to say I appreciate a little bit of Sean Couturier respect. I acknowledge that that man is extremely underrated, and I I have a friend who is a Flyers fan and absolutely adores him. So it's always nice to know that. I don't know where that sentence is going. It's been a lot, <laughs> but I do appreciate him. And that when there was a point in time that's like, well, are they going to trade him? It's like, go get him. He's yeah, right. He's good. Yeah. Go go get him. There but, was a, there was a while there where we had to work really hard to convince Flyers fans of that. So. Yeah, it paid good. off well in the end, huh? Around, yeah, yeah. So okay, um, 
you kind of gave me this a little bit, but final thing I will ask of you is to give me a shot in the dark prediction for how this game's going to end up. It's going to be a 4-2 final. I think it'll be either tied or close heading into the third period. Someone, I think Montreal is going to edge this out. They know they have to win to stay yeah. in this. And I think they're going to break through late and then they're going to get the empty net goal with five or six seconds left. And that'll be that for, but it could just as easily go the other way. It all depends on which offense is going first. Cause if Montreal gets in the hole right now by more than a goal, I'm not supremely confident in them coming all the way back like they were at the beginning of the year. Okay. I think that's a fair guess. I'm going to go with optimism and I'm going to say um, the Flyers are going to win 3-1 because they're still riding that Pittsburgh overtime win, which was delightful. Has Carter Hart beaten the Canadians this year? I don't remember. I don't think he's. Because he got chased in the last game. If Carter yeah. Hart hasn't beaten the Canadians yet this year, <clears throat> Because it never fails that the rookie phenom goaltender beats Montreal for in a game, but he's been playing. He's he just came back yesterday. Was his really his real first game back? I would say, and he yeah. Um, so it'll be interesting to see. I mean, he's a he's a kid. We've had yeah. down games from him, so it'll be. I don't know. I'm pretty confident that he'll he'll be good, but we'll see what happens. Yeah. All right. I feel good about what we've done here. You have anything to add? Uh, I do not, as far as I can tell, <laughs> um, at least at this point anyways. So just because I'm extremely nosy and I like asking people this question when they are not a fan of their geographically located hockey team, how, yes. did, you, yeah, how did you get to be a Habs fan? It's going to sound like the dumbest thing in the world, but we were at wrestling camp my sophomore year of high school, mm -hmm. and we had NHL, I think, 2004 on PlayStation 2. It's like, someone's like, I'm going to be the Sabres, and I'm like, fine, random. Hey, the Canadians, cool. <laughs> and then I learned about Saku Koivu and all the other stuff from there and the history, and it all just kind of flowed from that point on until where I'm at right now. I so. think I think that's an awesome story. I, <laughs> I always like these stories because like I'm a Flyers fan because I live in Delaware, which is like a half an hour south of Philly. And this is the hockey team. <laughs> it's like the one that I saw first. Like I yeah. did like real cool origin story, except for the fact that I was like a 12 year old girl and Eric Lindros was really cute. And I was just like immediately into it. So yeah. So yeah, okay. With Montreal, it's like, everyone's like, oh, you know, my grandfather, you know, he, you know, shined John Beliveau's shoes and he used to give us Christmas presents and I've been fans of the team forever. And I'm like, I played a video game at like one in the morning with my wrestling teammates. And that's kind of how this turned out. It's not some great, like grand story interwoven into the history of the team. It's like, we played a video game and I found myself liking Saku Koivu. So here we are at this point. It's a fine story. Now you're writing articles and doing podcasts and everything's fun. So yep. whatever gets you there, right? Yeah, exactly. All right, Scott. Thank you very much. Once again, this was Scott Matla from Habs. No colon. Eyes on the prize. They actually do. If you guys haven't checked out their page on the SB Nation network, they, you guys do some of my favorite work on the Hockey Network. So good job there. You guys check that out if you want to learn a little bit about the Habs. And I think that's all we have. Thanks, Scott. Yes. Thank you.
go Flyers!